listening to The Private Citizen. This is episode 143 for Sunday, the 5th of February, 2023. Three-year anniversary. Hello, everybody. My name is Fab. I'm coming to you from the Fab Industries studios in Düsseldorf in Germany for a um, very special episode this is the uh, three-year anniversary anniversary of this podcast and um, yeah uh, i'm recording this um, as, um, as as i did the the last episode kind of a little bit ahead of time so i'm not streaming this live so there's no video version uh, just just so you're aware and it's kind of out of schedule but you know it has to be today because today is actually the third anniversary um And I'm gonna, um, it's gonna be a little bit of a, uh, a special episode tonight, today, whatever time it is for you when you're listening to this, um, for obvious reasons. Um, and I'm kind of wanna do um, or um, follow up on something that I've done with uh, previous special episodes um, on this show and uh, basically talk about um, myself for a little bit. Um, <laughs> self-indulgence here um on on an, uh, you know when you when you when's your birthday i think you, you can do that uh, but before we get in, into that just a quick um just a quick note here that i'm planning to get back to like more of a regular schedule next week um i'm hoping um now that i'm i'm back home and um yeah everything's settling down again i hope i can uh, can plan my uh, my week and my days um, a little bit better and, and I don't know I don't know yet if I'm going to settle into Wednesday releases again because I still want to do um, I still have episodes to catch up on so I want to do more than um, one a week but we'll see but they should be more regular uh, from next week onwards I know I say this a lot in an often life um, <laughs> throws me a curveball but I'm you know I'm, I'm trying but anyway let's get into um the meat of the matter here today so yeah uh, three 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 days <laughs> three days three years that is actually um quite amazing um i wasn't at all sure that this uh, podcast would run for such a long time but you know i've got some very loyal listeners that really like this show and really like what i do and support me and um, um it's it's fun doing it so I'm, i'm 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 very happy um yeah so for this special episode i did um previously um on episode 55 which was the one year anniversary we skipped the two year anniversary uh, last year because um i was um i was kind of unplugging myself from the internet that month to uh work on on my novel but um yeah so in episode 55 which was the one year anniversary um i did like an ama um style episode uh if you haven't listened to that might be worth going back um if you're interested in this kind of stuff i'm talking about today which is me and my life and how i came to do this podcast um yeah ama is kind of this thing they invented on reddit where you you know uh, people can ask you anything and i had um, the producers of the show submit questions and i answered them and a lot of them were, were about myself um now how i came to do this podcast and then i kind of picked up on this um theme again in uh in episode 100 um which was um in december of uh 2021 
uh, when I uh, the, the episode was titled "Let Me Tell You a Bit About Myself," and kind of the, these two episodes um, kind of serve as a little bit of an introduction because you've been listening to me um, for now 142 episodes. It's the 143rd, and um, you know I, I talk about many things from my perspective. And I, as I mentioned before, I think it's it's important to know. Uh, where people come from so this is kind of my little bit of a public service um for my background and i i want to um deepen this background a little bit because after these two episodes i've been asked sporadically uh, by people on the forum and in emails and also just talking to them um to listeners of the show how i uh, came to become a journalist because obviously i do a lot of i criticize journalism a lot and um that, so that's what I want to do today. Um, so I kind of titled this a little bit, The Road Leading to This Podcast, which is basically I want to tell the story how I uh, became a journalist and then, uh, you know, how, how that led into um, creating this podcast. So settle back, get a cup of your favorite beverage. I'm recording this in the afternoon, so I got some coffee here. Um, and <laughs> listen to the old man uh, tell stories from the war so some people might know some of this i've talked about this in 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 other podcasts before and a little bit also on this show but you know um this should be like a comprehensive kind of background episode that people can refer to and uh maybe explains my 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 opinions and, and where, where i'm coming from a little bit um you know it's, maybe it's worth listening to episode 55 and 100 before that but i don't think you have to so i mean you can just settle back settle back and listen if you want to um so basically i um let's let's start um, i don't want to start at the very beginning i did that and uh i talked about episode 100 in episode 100 about my, my childhood a little bit and stuff but i um let's start up in university i was um at bonn uh, bonn university um studying uh history politics modern history politics and english uh back in the day and um I always, you know, in school, I, I always had a knack for writing and I, I'd, I'd always thought, you know, I did some school internship uh, at a newspaper. Um, so I've always thought about, you know, becoming a journalist or be becoming a writer, but more specifically a journalist. Now, um, when you're in university, it's usually when you kind of start on this career path and several people that were studying um, some of the uh, in some of the same um, subjects that I was studying, you know, some friends that, uh, and acquaintances at university actually um, started working as journalists at, at local newspapers in Bonn. And um, I kind of um, looked at that, but I was, um, I don't know, I, when I started um, to work um, aside from university, kind of to finance my studies, um, I um, started working for a local ISP called Net Cologne. Which you know, when you English-speaking people always think they make, um, um, yeah, uh, cologne. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, things that make you smell good. But actually, they're you know, it's just, they're named after the city of Cologne, which is where the main market is. Um, kind of like a local ISP. Uh, they were somewhat small at the time. They got quite bigger, I think, since then. But you know, I was working there. I was I always had a knack for computers, and I kind of got this job i had other jobs at university before but i i kind of ended up there and i was actually making some good money and i was looking at the people um doing journalism work on, on the site and they were making very little money or no money and even though i kind of wanted to become a journalist maybe i didn't really know uh, i was kind of like no nah, i'm not giving up this job where i'm actually making you know i was working in tech support like 
second, third level uh, tech support. And I was, it was actually it was a good job. Um, so I didn't want to give that up. So I kind of shelved becoming a journalist for a while. Um, now, this next thing I'm going to talk about intertwines a little bit with how I came to podcasting. Uh, because um, my next interest was um, I figured out that the university had a university radio station where they actually um, broadcasting on the air and I tried to get um, become a part of that um, with the definite idea of once at, at some point um, you know stepping in front of the microphone and actually being on the radio um, but it turned out that they really weren't I don't know they weren't it was a long and stony path and they were kind of saying you know it's you can you can join us and you can you know um, you can be part of the team, but we're not sure you'll ever be, come in front of the microphone, right? So I was thinking about that, and at the same time, I was listening to a lot of podcasts. Um, I had the year before, uh, I think this was 2005, I'd been to Australia, and uh, you know, I uh, uh, one of the first iPods back in the day, and I was listening to um, many podcasts uh, at the time. And uh, I was, I was, I remember I was just sitting at home at my desk and I was thinking about this, um, being a bit annoyed about this university radio station and thinking like, why should I even try? Um, why should I just like suck up to these people for months and years, maybe so then I can go on the air at some point. Why don't I just start a podcast? Why don't I do this myself? You know, new media uh, revolution and all of that. So that's what I did. And I, uh, I, I created my first podcast which nobody really ever listened to it's just kind of a test podcast um which was um in 2006 uh when i came back from australia and then soon after um in 2007 um i created a podcast with a friend of mine uh, dan lynch called linux outlaws which many people still remember me from um this was kind of, you know, this was kind of the same thing. I was like, oh, I want to kind of do my own new stuff. I don't want to deal with these radio people. I'm going to do this myself. And then also um, I was noticing at the time that my English was was degrading, even though I was studying uh, English at university, but uh, there weren't enough native speakers I could talk to. So one of the reasons I started the podcast with Dan was because he was a native speaker and it, it improved my English um, to talk to him every week, which was pretty cool. Um, yeah, and, and this podcast ended up to have a lot more listeners than the university radio station in Bonn ever had, I think. <laughs> it probably has, I think it had more listeners than several small, normal, like small radio stations um, in the area. Um, so I, I think that was kind of a, a good decision. So this is kind of how I, um, so I, I started doing podcasts. I, I never really considered that to be journalism, though. No, I was, to me, it was more... Um, entertainment. I think I changed my mind during Linux Outlaws at some point, and even now also. Um, I think this show is is definitely journalism. It's a different kind of journalism, but I, I, I think it is. Um, but yeah, so um, I was at the time I kind of gave up on becoming a journalist, and then um, this all changed. So I, I didn't want to go and you know intern a newspaper or whatever. That was just too much work, not enough pay. I didn't really. Um, didn't really appeal to me as especially uh, as well as you know changing studies to study journalism I, I never really saw the point of that uh, to this day i don't understand journal studying journalism at university i think that's a very bad idea i think it's something that shouldn't be shouldn't be a um a um a subject i can I, i'm going to talk about that a little bit uh, later um 
you know, let's first explain how I how I came to be a journalist, and then I'm gonna uh, explain why I think that. Um, but yeah, so so I shelved all of this for a while, and then at some point, I was actually um, writing my my thesis, and I was kind of thinking about dropping out of university. And at this point, I saw a, um, a job advertisement on Twitter for a um, English publication in London that looked for a tech journalist, and they specifically looked for a Linux guy. And I was I was thinking at the time, you know, I was doing Linux Outlaws every week. We're doing Linux news. I was completely like in, immersed in Linux and open source news. I was like, I know exactly what I'm talking about here. I've I'm, I've I've dealt with this for years now. Um, every week, almost every day, um, I could do this job. And my wife was like, well, why don't you apply? And I was like, it's kind of weird. It's over Twitter. It's, but, you know, I was like, I, have, I really don't have anything to lose. And um, I also uh, researched the place a little bit. And uh, there was a little website called The Age. But I noticed that they were, um, uh, that, that this was a, um, a subsidiary of Heise in Germany, uh, which which is a, was a well known or is a well known is like the biggest tech, um, you know, publisher here, which I knew at the time, but I thought I'd never. Um, I don't know. I um, oh, I'm I'm just being distracted because I'm hearing the neighbors playing music. So if you hear some little bit of music in the background, that's not me. Um, the new neighbors moving in upstairs, and I think they're renovating the flat or whatever and listening to music i'm um, so please apologize if you can hear that i think my setup should filter this out but i'm not a hundred percent sure i can hear it through my monitors uh, my headphones so i don't know uh where was i anyway so i was like i i i thought i did never if i'd apply to heiser they'd never take me that never even crossed my mind but i thought oh this kind of cool so they're you know heiser is a well-known company so i know like their track record and you know maybe one day i can you know uh switch uh publications whatever go back to germany something like that i thought but anyway i was like I, I never expected them to hire me, but um, yeah, they kind of were interested. So I um, worked a day um, over Skype. Um, so this was um, 2012. Um, so well, we were well ahead of our time there uh, with you know remote work. Um, I worked, which you can do in journalism. I've never understood that. You know, it took the fucking pandemic for um, tech publishers to figure out that they could do work remote. But okay. <laughs> um, so uh, we started. Um, I, I did. I did. A, I did basically a whole day, eight hours of trial work, and I said, "Yeah, uh, we can, we could, uh, we could, we we could try this." But they were like, "Okay, we want you to move to London." I was like, "Yeah, okay, yeah, it's totally something I, I, I can do." Um, but you know, we kind of agreed that it wouldn't be fair uh, to move there, and then then you know, based on one work data like it might not work out like we want to have like a month of like trial work as well so um we decided that i would just work from bonn right remote because it worked quite well for that day for like a whole month and then if that worked out i'd move to london and i kind of did prepare uh, to move as well um in in the time and it, it worked out so they really liked what i was doing and uh, that's how i became a journalist um then i moved to london uh, my uh wife a girlfriend at the time was still doing her phd in bonn so she stayed in bonn and i moved over um and um, I, I worked in London, uh, in, in Wimbledon at uh, the age. It was a very small editorial office, um, basically just the editor-in-chief, a proofreader, 
and um, I had another um, editor, writer, kind of colleague. So we were like two guys writing everything. Um, and um, well, there were some other people attached to the publication, but they weren't writing daily stuff. So um, yeah, that was a kind of a trial by fire. Like I hadn't done journalists, journalism before. I basically learned um, everything there um, in the yeah in in the trenches. I always call it the, the trenches these days because I mean that was that was basically what it was. Um, <laughs> which um yeah was an interesting experience and then that's how i got my start so um and then after um you know my wife was or my girlfriend back at the time was then preparing to move to london and we were she was actually over and uh, we were staying together and we were preparing to move to another flat and whatever and then this guy came over from heisen germany and said they're going to close the publication um which was a beloved publication. People, I think some people still tell me they miss it. Um, I think we did some really, really good, especially open source news. Um, I kind of diversified in security while I was over there as well. But like, um, especially for open source, it was uh, well liked. Um, the problem was not that we didn't have enough readers. They shut it down because the advertising people could monetize it. Basically, the problem was um, we were writing English and they were... The, the Germans had hired some UK advertising people um, and they were trying to like sell advertising for this website to U to the UK market. Now, the problem was, I think more than 50% of our readers were from the US. And I mean, it doesn't seem to be, I don't think to this day, I don't think it would have been rocket science to try to sell to the American market as well, um, but they couldn't get that done. And so the, the website was never profitable, um, so they shut it down. And um, they, Heiser was nice enough because I was German. They were nice enough to offer me uh, a job in Hanover. Um, and then I moved back to Hanover. Um, and then I started working um, for CT, which is German, well, it's now Europe's biggest tech magazine, I think. Still huge, like a print magazine, right? Um, but I was working specifically on the online side um, from the beginning, I was writing online news stories. That's what they hired me for because that's what I could do, right? That's what I learned um, at the age. And um, it's, uh, yeah, of course, I also did magazine uh, stories. Like the, one of my first stories uh, actually was immediately um, became a headline story for the magazine. It's when we explained how bitcoins worked. That was, I think, in 2013, which was, um, I thought at the time, terribly late, but um, turned out to be like the job, the first um, in-depth kind of article like this in the German market. Um, so I, I did did write some, you know, I have some, I have some print writing experience now. I did some print stuff, and now and then, but I always prefer it online um, for obvious reasons. I'm, I'm sorry. I have entangled myself in my microphone cable. Sorry, I had to, to fix that for it. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so I, I I'd always preferred online. I, I, I still do. I, I don't think... I, I think print is just, um, just a relic of another age. I think the downsides that print has, is uh, that, that online has in, in journalism is not because of the medium. Um, it's because uh, lots of magazines and um, publishers um, make their money still with print or did until very recently. Um, and so that's where all the um, 
energy and all the money went and 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 so there's there was often um historically better journalism in print than in online but that wasn't because the online people were worse or it's just because you know that's where the money came from so that's where 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 the um where where people constant you know the, the, the follow the money right in a company it's the same same way that's that's what people concentrated on um and um yeah i mean i enjoyed uh, print uh, once in a while but i just I'm, i do not like print deadlines um i think they're horrible um especially i mean we had i can i can tell a little bit of an anecdote how this also, also now i'm talking german even because i'm thinking of germany when i when i went to uh, ct um they had me as a security editor which i you know i had to learn a lot about IT security but I was like hey it's kind of close to open source they're all nerds and hackers and anyway it's kind of the same mindset you know security people and, and open source people are very like close um, in, the, in their mindset of how to you know hacking things and taking things apart and looking how they work whatever um, so I was um, I was kind of felt at home I knew I had new stuff to learn but that was kind of not a problem so I was doing a lot of security and and imagine so I because I was doing the online part um, the magazine also had a, like a news section so we're talking CT um, comes out um, every fortnight right so so uh, every two weeks um, so every two weeks um one of my jobs was for a while to take all the online stories figure out which one of them were still accurate or, or still interesting uh, for a magazine audience and then rewrite them in a way because you can't just put online you know it doesn't it doesn't work you have to kind of rewrite them and put them um in the magazine and and once in a while i would write um you know news stories for the magazine it security news stories and at at the time uh, it, it it worked like this um, so in a magazine you have different print deadlines and and because I was doing news um, also the most breaking news in the magazine I had like the latest uh, print deadline and um, at the time um, we had to have the story in print on Tuesday by 12 p.m. Uh, Tuesday noon the story had to be with the printer otherwise it would cost I don't know cost like 50,000 euros every hour you were late or something so you couldn't do that so it, it had to be in print at noon on Tuesday and at the time this would work uh, it would work like this that um, that was like the last print deadline for the magazine that was the last part of the magazine to be printed and then the magazine would be shipped out on Fridays uh, early so um, subscribers would actually get the magazine on on Fridays and then it would be at the newsstand on Saturday right um, and this would this would work like this I would I would write a new story um, in the in the in the week before print deadline right I would um, so usually I would hand it in um, on on Thursday and CT had this thing where like I, I the way it worked is like I would write an article i would give it to my editor-in-chief in the in the magazine section right so the for it security my 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 boss basically uh he would uh proofread it mostly for technical uh stuff uh, i would correct it and so this this was like on a, on a thursday like noon afternoon and then the idea was that i would hand it in by the end of the day on Thursday, I would hand it into the normal proofreading process. 
uh, and and then you would give it to a proofreader. A proofreader would read it. Would probably come back to me Friday um, before lunch, um, you know, and 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 come back to me with corrections. Um, I would correct it. Um, maybe talk to some other people, you know, do some some other um, stuff. But then basically hand it in. Uh, the finished story um, handed in by the end of Friday. And then it was like, uh, I mean, CT is, is not like a real news paper. <laughs> People really don't work on the weekend. So I would just sit there on the weekend. I mean, I did sometimes work on the weekend because I worked for the website, but, you know, for this print stuff. Um, and then it would it would go to the, um, the layouter, right? And they would lay out it on Monday morning. Right. And then the idea would be that it works like this. You, you hand the story and you get it back from layout. Then you fix some problems. You get it back. You hand it back into layout. It would go back two or three times. And then it would finally finish. And then they would call you into the layouting offices. You'd have to walk over there. And then you did like the last minute proofread on the screen of the layout. And then would push a button and then it would send it to the magazine. Um no later than uh, Tuesday noon, of course. Now, I had the problem that sometimes I wrote a story on Thursday um, that um, I handed in to my uh, technical editor. He finished it. I handed it in Thursday afternoon um, to the proofreader. Um, by the time I got back on Friday morning, something had changed. So I got the story back from the proofreader. I would have had to have to change the story because something's changed. I give it back to my technical proofreader, my, my boss. He give it back to me. I give it back into the proofreading process because I changed the story. They would read it again. And then I would hand it in again on Friday night. So I would be doing like double work. And and I would actually be on Friday would be like a double shift sometimes because I would work like till eleven at night or whatever to get this done, which was ludicrous because nobody was working on the weekend. But okay, um, so I hand that back in. Then um, something else happens on the weekend, uh, and then you have to change the security, right? You have like a hack, and then some news comes out, whatever. And then um, Monday morning, the story would have been completely changed, and uh, I actually would stop. Uh, shout stop before they actually start layouting it rewrite the whole story um do quick technical proofreading and 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 get a proofreader to read it again hand it into the layout monday noon or whatever work with the layout and then sometimes between monday and tuesday when i got back in and tuesday this i had to change other things at the story again and whenever i tell the story people say like couldn't you have just written the story more um with less details, like more broad. Um, and yes, at a newspaper, you can do that. Newspapers actually do that, which is why often these mainstream stories are wrong f for somebody from a technical back background. Or you're like, what are, they, what are they even talking about? This is so vague, right? And and CT always, which I liked, I like working for Heiser for that reason, or I still do. Um, they have this approach where they don't want to do that they want to have details because that's their reason for being they're a tech publication and so i always had to put these details in and i always did and i always had to change them again and there were several times when i was actually changing things at the point where you like 
we're talking Tuesday, 11.45 a.m. I'm standing there with the layout. I always had the good layout, just that it worked really fast, really know what they were doing. Uh, my boss was really good in giving and telling me who those people are and then, and, and, you know, made, made it so I got them because we knew, like, it was really stretched. I'd be standing there with a pencil going, no, we have to change this and then we have to change this sentence. And it's like fucking magazine layout. It's not online. You can't just change the sentence, right? You change the sentence and then it doesn't fit and then you have to change this and that and it was it was hell um so that's why i um do not like um print journalism so much with online you can just change the sense um and you don't have length uh, requirements which are idiotic um you can you can make a text as as long as it has to be and not a not a not a sentence longer uh which i like so you know, I learned I learned these aspects of, of print journalism, but I also learned all the all the other stuff. Now, um, at the end of 2018, um, I decided to to quit Heise and become a freelancer. Right. So so from the first of January 2019, I've been a, a freelance journalist, and it's one of the big reasons why I started this podcast. Now, people often ask me why I did that because Heise was a really good job. I you know I had a um, I had an unlimited contract in their time, unlimited contract. I was actually paid really well uh, for a journalist. Um, you know, it was a really cushy, good job. Um, I mean, I did a lot of work. I was, um, yeah, I, I had a little bit of uh, um, health issues. I, I think I was working a bit too much. Like, basically, I had constantly my back was, um, I had done my back out. There's constantly, like, I had blocked um um vertebrae or whatever um I, I started getting um and we're talking i mean this is you know 2017 2018 um so i was i was like in my mid 30s um i started getting um uh, um, circulation problems which i've never had before it's actually got migraines at some point which I, I didn't even know what a migraine was and i thought it was a headache and i was like sitting at my desk and my my vision started failing i started getting like vision artifacts and i was like what the hell's going on now i i was really getting scared because i didn't know what a migraine was um uh, until somebody taught told me and then later I also get, got headaches with it and stuff and i was like okay something has to change you have to do something here and at the time, at you know, I tried changing um, my role inside uh, the, the the publisher a little bit. I tried to switch to um, doing complete online work, which actually worked. That was good. So I was only writing online then, um, but that brought with it some other problems. Um, I was then made liaison officer with the basically with the with my um, counterpart at the print magazine, and I had to attend all these meetings, which didn't apply to me at all. They were all just like print stuff, right? And I would I would have to um, liaison with them, and and basically I had to, I, I spent hours in meetings that I shouldn't have, like that that were completely nonsensical, and I actually did many things um to try to improve the situation like one thing i pioneered and we didn't have any online planning tools right so i i was like okay these some colleagues here they're writing about these online planning tools why don't we use one so i i, I looked at kanban and i actually set up a kanban software inside i think they still use that um internally um and i tried to get all these meetings um out of the way and basically um, do things with Kanban. Basically, what we were discussing were like 
coordinating stories, right? If online people do stories, do they impact the magazine? Do the magazine story impact online? Can we put the magazine stories online? When do we do that? Like all of that kind of stuff. Um, but for me, that was mostly useless because I was like, okay, just tell me the... Okay, so you have a story. You don't want it to be online before the magazine. Like you want it to be in print first because that's the cash cow. All right, I get that. I don't. I don't think it's a good idea. But okay, I'm not a manager. I can't change anything. So just tell me the date when we can publish the story, and I'll prepare it. And like for that, I'd have to have an hour and a half meeting where they discussed all kinds of other shit about the magazine that I didn't care about. It was horrible, um, and it didn't really work with the Kanban software or whatever. Um, so. I, you know that that was a that was a bit of a, a letdown um that didn't really get my stress levels down more um and people have like even in, inside the company uh, many people like okay inside the company less people have asked me why i actually quit um more like people i know that are podcast listeners or whatever have asked me this but um so weirdly inside heiser they always thought well it, to this day i talk to people and they're like i thought you quit because of like what well, don't you want to come back because we're, we're doing remote work and i'm like no and they're like I, I thought you quit because of the remote work and i'm like i don't know how that idea started well i know how that idea started so basically um my wife moved to hamburg um and then i did i commuted for a while uh uh, well, no, for a while we lived apart again and I lived in Hanover, she lived in Hamburg uh, because Heiser is very um, local, you know, uh, very Hanover. They didn't do really much remote work. Um, and um, I, uh, yeah, so, and then I moved, I moved to Hamburg and then I commuted. And I mean, there was an issue with commuting, which basically I got I got very mad at some point because um, I had a, just, um, uh, you know, I had a, um, I had made a deal with my actual um my direct superior um about the t the the home the days I could have uh, the days I was allowed to work at home um and uh I think one of his superiors somebody else overturned that and um uh, and reduced this number and I got very mad about this because I'm like you're my boss we discussed this. This is, this is a binding agreement. I mean, we didn't put it in writing, but like, you have to trust yourself when you, you work together. Right? Um, I was like, you have to stick up for me on this. Um, and you have to um, assure that I get what we discussed. Uh, and he didn't do that. So I got very mad. Um, so I, I think that's because that's why lots of people think that's why I actually quit. But that's totally not why I quit. Mainly it all boils down. I mean, there were many reasons health reasons as well um but it all boils down to the fact that i was um um i was i had a decision at one point you know i could have tried to advance and become um a leading editor like go from from editor to like um in germany you have editor and then you have like a an editor that like um leads uh, um uh, runs a section of the magazine like a t security edit editor and then you have the editor-in-chief right um or the editor-in-chief of the website or whatever um so i could have basically uh, tried to advance uh, the career ladder uh when i was thinking about that for a while because basically because of stress reasons and i wanted to reduce that and uh, change things because everything was annoying me so much um but then i realized that that would mean that i would do less writing a lot less writing and i saw some people doing this going these steps and i was like i don't want to do that i i'm here to write I'm, i don't want to be a manager if i wanted to be a manager i would have never 
become a journalist, right? I would have start, start working at a, at a bank or at a insurance company or whatever. Um, so I didn't want to do that. So, so that step was out of the way for me. And basically that's not something I wanted to do. And, um, my my problem was I was actually when there were meetings and when we were discussing things I was always interest, interested in in journalism and making the writing better in making our journalism better and I I like Heiser very much I still write for them I think they're a great company um, I think they're doing some of the best journalism in Germany um, you know and so what I'm when I'm complaining about this, I'm complaining about this on a very high level. But that doesn't change the fact that I was not happy when I was there. And I, I, I like the people and I like the work, um, but I didn't like... Basically, my problem was the management. Um, because um, there were... I was there to write. Right? I was like, I'm an editor. I want to write. I want to edit other people's stuff. That's what I want to do. But mainly I want to write. I want to do good journalism. And I was getting bogged down in meetings where I had to attend where um, they were discussing how to make more money on the website and where to put the ads and I'm like I'm not I don't work in advertising <laughs> I don't want I don't and they were like oh yeah now you have to decide where to put the ads in your article I'm like no I don't want to do that that's not my job my job is to write a good article I'm not in the ad business um, and they just didn't get that they just like didn't I, I kept saying that again and again and again there were a few people only a few who kind of said these kind of things but we were just not listened to um there were all these meetings where we were discussing all the stuff um that i didn't care about that wasn't my job that i wasn't there to do uh, lots of useless stuff as well like internal like in every company if you worked in a company you know all of that uh, and then the stuff i wanted to discuss was was like let's make our journalism better because i was seeing journalism decline when i was there i, I saw people um not being critical just copying press releases all the stuff i've talked about here you know being basically one or two colleagues um fancying themselves activists and wanting to write about the topic and writing certain things that like had nothing to do with reality um and like you know and i i liked getting into fights about that i thought that was that to me wasn't actually really that stressful there were some hard fought fights right some columns i wrote somebody else wrote articles we wrote where we were fighting about stuff i remember i was i was i was embroiled in 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 huge internal discussions that actually got quite ugly at some point um i didn't start it but um you know about um video games and you know like um uh, gender uh, roles in video games and and people actually quite fighting quite dirty because they didn't like what i was writing about this topic um, but those were like that was good in my in my for me right i thought that that was that was, no matter how dirty and 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 how how angry the discussion got how angry people got that was to me that was good discussions because that was about the the content and 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 making writing better stories and writing better articles and um but that was like the minority of discussions um, and I was very dismayed with people who um, were my superiors, who were editors in chief, whose job it is, literally their job 
the the job of an editor in chief is to um, ensure the quality of the, ju the journalism at the publication. They're actually legally they're the person who's responsible for what's in the magazine. So they're legally responsible for this kind of stuff. And and they weren't doing that. They were like basically doing manage like they were um uh trying to find new formats and new magazines, create new websites, create, I don't know, things you can make money with, basically. Um, which to me is the job of like, you know, there are people at these companies who do this. Like um there are, you know, people who who, um, who who brainstorm these ideas, who create products. Um, then are product managers who manage these products and all this kind of stuff. And this was all done with basically journalists because the company didn't want to pay any other people, I think. Um, and um, I was getting relatively irate at this. And especially because um, I didn't see, like, the, the, the excuse there. As I said, I, I like Heiser, um, but, like, it wasn't like... It wasn't like they wasn't weren't making any money, and they didn't even have money to hire other people. They were my, when I, I I don't know about now, but when I was at the place, they were making a tidy profit, a, a, a tidy. They were making um, a lot of money. Um, you know, the people owning the company were making a lot of money, and and I was like, when they said, you know, when we said, okay, but basically somebody up high said, okay, you guys, you need to do this, we're like this is now a job that you need to do. And we say, we can't, we, we are too much to work, hire somebody. And they were like, no, we can't, you have to do that. I'm like, why can't you? You've got money, you can hire somebody, right? You just want to, I don't know, make more money. I, I didn't, didn't understand that, but you know, you have that in every company. Um, but, you know, being a journalist is not a job like any other. I think it's, it's people who do this job correctly, um, I think see it as a calling. Um, it's not about doing what your boss says, even if uh, working for a company, doing what your boss says, even if you don't agree, just doing the work, getting the money, getting paid and going home and then thinking about something else, right? A good journalist um, burns for what they're doing and they're, they don't go home and then think about something else. They might keep working at home. They keep thinking about the things they're doing. And um, unfortunately, this leads to something that you know i think um, several um industries that 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 you know it's kind of a creative it's another industry that that kind of seems to um have this is the games industry right and that's also one where like the the the, the workers are often exploited because they like what they do and in journalism it's kind of the same thing um at least that was kind of the main problem when i was there um, now I'm actually seeing people working in this industry that actually I think don't want to be journalists, right? They want to be activists or PR people, but they don't want to be journalists. Um, but that's a discussion for another day, and I've, I've talked about that before. Um, but so basically that's why I became a freelancer. I was like, I can't do this anymore. Um, I don't like this. I don't like what I'm doing. I want to write. And if I have discussions with people, I these discussions, I want to be about my writing, about their writing, about what we're doing, about improving journalism. I think that's my job as a journalist. Um, and I, I looked for a while if I just like changed to another company, but I didn't see it. Like I didn't, I didn't see like um, another publication where things were better. 
than that Heisel. So I thought, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to become a freelancer, which means I'm going to make a lot less money, but it means I can do what I want to do, right? And I do other stuff than writing. Now, sometimes I do, you know, I host webinars and, and trainings and, and sh sh stuff like that, and I host stages at events and other things, but I do that because I want to do that. I mean, I did other stuff um, at highs as well. You know, I did. Uh, I started the podcast uh, that's now hugely popular, uh, CT Uplink. Um, I actually came up with the name. <laughs> Believe it or not, everybody hated that name. They were all like, this is the worst name. Um, but then nobody can come up with a better name and then it's stuck. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I... Um, you know, I, 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 can, I can... Like, I don't have anybody telling me like they can't force me to do these things right i can i can force myself to do them for a while if i need money or whatever but if i don't want to do them i can just drop it um and that is something i don't i can't i can't miss anymore i don't think i can i can work for a company anymore um, but yeah so basically um i learned journalism i never really i went went to some training when i went to heiser uh, in germany they sent me to like a basically a journalism training thing that all the um people start working as trainees they go to like for a month and i, I learned some technical stuff but basically not like about writing but i, I knew all of that like a year uh in the trenches at the age it basically taught me everything and this is why i don't think you need to go to university and have it i think you need to go to university to become a journalist but you don't need to study journalism i think you need to go to university and study something that interests you doesn't matter what it is and basically i don't know if you can do that in university today anymore uh, but if you can this is what i did learn to think critically that's what you need to do i mean to learn research how to do research you learn that at university and you hopefully learn how to um to become to be critical of everything you know some some basic skills like you know how how uh statistics uh how you can manipulate things with statistics and stuff like that or with words right how propaganda works basically a little bit um and if you pick that up, then you don't need anything else. Like you, you learn everything else. You basically learn on the job, um, and and probably better that in university because they teach you like like even at that course I went to, they did like some. Um, so there's always these fads, like in any 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 like in the gaming industry, like in any other industry, um, in journalism. There's um, for a long time now they have to they have has especially in Germany there's been this they call it a magazine entrance uh, to an article where you basically um, you're not starting with the topic you want to write about. You tell a story, like you do like a storytelling thing where you're like um, you know you'd be you'd be writing about let's say um, so. Let's say you you went to Ukraine uh, and 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 followed some some Ukrainian soldiers uh, around at the front, right? You wouldn't be writing about what you saw and actually like the I don't know the newsworthy stuff or like the um, the actual. You'd, you'd start with like a description of a field and a, maybe then like an, an empty helmet lying on the field and then how you felt and all this kind of shit. Um, you know, which has, has its place. You can write stories like that, but it's always like some magazines have that style, but it started to be like, you have to write a story like this. Otherwise, it's not a good story and you won't win a journalism prize. I'm like, you know, 
I was in that course. I was like, I'm writing IT security stories. Like, I'm not going to start them like this. This is silly. This is silly for most stories. I have actually come to believe that it's silly for all stories. I think people do this because they can't write properly. Um, you know, they can't make the facts interesting. So they, they do like fucking storytelling. Right? That's a, to me, that's not journalism. You want to do storytelling? I can understand that. You know, I'm writing a novel on the side. Write a fucking novel. Um, or like if you're writing for a travel magazine, yeah, then you write stories like this, right? But if you wanna if you wanna write about war and and you followed some soldiers and just write what you saw, right? And if you saw interesting stuff, then that that is a story in itself. And that's always been kind of my approach. And the older I get and the more journalism I do, the more I realize that, um, or like generally writing that all these rules are shit. Um, I mean, there's all these rules that try to be helpful. Right. There's all this. If you're writing books, they tell you don't use too many um, uh, um, like adverbs or whatever, <laughs> you know, but like if that's your writing style then it's your writing style. Right. So it's, it's like this thing where like Stephen King is complaining about J.K. Rowling using too many adverbs. Like her writing style is amazing. She writes really good books. And Stephen King does as well. They're just writing different in different ways. I mean, one is not necessarily better than the other. Like if you use very colorful language and that's your your writing, um, then so be it, right? Or they, they, I mean, there's all these silly rules that I teach you in school and university. Don't start, start a sentence with but or something like, oh, and. I do that a lot <laughs> and, it, and it works. <laughs> um, you know, it it's, it's kind of like um, it's being being a painter, right? If you're a really good painter, at some point you develop your own style. Right? You might you might study other styles, but you're not like um, you you'll never be a great painter if you just study Van Gogh and then just um, paint try to paint every picture like Van Gogh did it because you're not fucking Van Gogh, and it's been done. You you need to develop your own style, and the same things with writing, and I think also the same thing is with. It goes with journalism. They're just very simple rules. If like journalism is really easy, I often often call it a craft. It's it has, I think, more to do with um, with woodworking than with I don't know any other, um, you know, like any anything you'd study at university. Um, because basically, there's there's some there's some very very simple rules. Um, so if if you if if you're a journalist, basically what you there's some things you have to keep in mind. First, do try to do your best. Just do your best. You will never be perfect, right? As a journalist, you always you never really write about things you really know. As a journalist, you're not. Sometimes, if you're really lucky, you studied this at university, right? But like, um, you're not. You're not somebody who's trained his whole life like a doctor to do like a certain procedure and then you know all about that. As a journalist, you're the, you're the opposite. You get called in, something happens, and your job is to explain to other people what has just happened. And in the worst situation, you know as much or as little about what has just happened than the people you're trying to explain it to. Um, you're just... You, sh you just have some tools, right? You know how to do research. You know how to do it fast. And you're critical, you, you know, that's basically what you're trying to do. And then you try to, um, as best as you can, look at the situation, find all the facts and then just write them down. And then, you know, be aware that 
this is all colored by your own opinions and your own you know that's why i do these episodes and explain to you where i come from and you know so you can understand my bias because everybody has biases right but as a journalist you're just trying to do your best just trying to do your best and be critical there's some very easy like rules of thumbs like don't don't ever believe pr people um I mean, you have to take information from them, of course, but always be aware that their job is to whoever they're representing, let's say a company, um, they their job is to put that company, their product, whatever, in the best light they can. And you have to be aware of that. Same goes for the government. Every representative of a government is basically, you know, PR propaganda. It's the same thing. They're doing the same thing. Never believe the government if it says anything. Don't really ever believe anybody. If you can, I mean, sometimes you have to believe people, but like try basically be like a detective, right? Somebody tells you something, you go like, okay, that's interesting. And then you check it out for yourself, right? If you do a story about a, uh, I, you know, security vulnerability and you talk to the security researcher who found it, you don't believe them. You take their material, everything they give you, and then you try to ver you verify this yourself. Sometimes you can't, right? And then the rule is just be honest. Right. If you can't verify this and some the only the only source you have is like that one source and that has like that source has privileged uh, information, then you just report on that information and say I got it from this source and I can't verify it. But I think it's still important. Right. And the, the most important rule is write for your reader. Don't you don't you know, you don't really work for your boss. You don't even work for your editor in chief as a journalist. Sometimes you work against your editor in chief. Um, you work for your readers what you're trying to do uh, or your listeners or whatever right you're, what you're trying to do is you're trying to like decide what is important what's important to them and this is ex exactly if you do that you will never write any of these fucking condescending articles that i always go on about on, on the show which are dumb right if you're like this activist journalist and you write like these stories um why you should do this right why you should put solar uh, panels on your roof like if you're right for you if you actually think that you are beholden to your reader you would never write like write something like this right you're not like um um in in what world does like your customer come to you i'm gonna pay you to give me information right to i'm going to i want to know about something i'm going to pay you for this and then you go and tell them you should do this they will not pay you for that. Like, you know, um, that's, that's like getting somebody in um, to, um, so you buy, you buy a kitchen, right? Um, you go to Ikea and you buy a kitchen and then you pay somebody to install the kitchen in your house, right? And, and you pay them and they come along and they say, well, you bought the wrong kitchen. This is completely the wrong kitchen. I, you shouldn't, you shouldn't put, or you should not have a kitchen at all, right? That's not what you pay them for. You pay them to install the fucking kitchen. And so you, you pay a journalist to fucking do what you want. Like, okay, you know, you have to be, as a journalist, you have to tell it like you see it. So sometimes readers will want to know about something and you'll write about it and, and, um, it will be you know, you'll write something that they don't like. Um, but 
the idea there is still that you're actually still doing, you know, they just don't know, right? So let's say I write a review about a TV show and I think it's, I watch it and I'm like, this is shit. And I tell them like, this is shit and this is why. And then get, I get thousands of people saying, no, it's great. It's awesome. Um, these people don't understand what my job is and what they're paying me for, right? I don't, they're not paying me to agree with them. They're paying me to do something, watch a TV show so they don't have to, for example, and tell them what I think. And they don't have to agree with me. And I, you know, with something like this, it's not a matter of right or wrong. Um, but if I've done my job well, I've explained why I don't like the show. And then they can go, well, but, you know, so if I watch um, a show and then I go, this is, I don't like this. There's too many horses in this. I hate stories with horses. Don't watch this show. And somebody reads this and they love stories with horses and they go like, yeah, Fab doesn't like it, but I'll probably will. But he g gave me all the information I needed, right? Um, so that is kind of what you're trying to do. Um, you, you, you're trying to give your reader the information they need and not too much. You try not to overwhelm them. You don't educate them, right? I'm not a, I'm not a teacher. I'm not an activist. Um, so I think a lot of journalists... Um, because it's a job where people you know it's a calling people put their lifeblood in it yes they think okay my my job is to make the world better and i kind of think that as well i think that is that is the the, the net goal of a journalist is that you know be net positive on on society right um you're trying to um disseminate information you're trying to give people the information they need and i think that's making the world better but that's where it ends you don't actively you don't go and you know, I've I've read this and I've seen and I think we all should do this. And now I'm writing that and now I'm telling people to do that. That is not um that, that that's not how you make the world better as a journalist. You make the world better as a journalist to tell it as you see it. Like and if if you see it that way, yeah, then do it. But like don't be pushy about it and, and be be um you know um, think about it critically. Think about your own position critically as well, um, and you know and that that's and I, there's way too much of this. Um, yeah, I, I think it's of of this trying to tell people what they should do. I think it's journalists not understanding that they're actually working for their readers. Right? It's okay as a journalist to tell the government that they're doing shit because I don't work for like if I go like if I write an article and I go at the end I put like an opinion piece and I, 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 I write an opinion piece like these laws. I, I you know I'm a journalist. I write about IT security, and you just passed an IT security or privacy law. These laws are shit then I'm telling that to the government, which is kind of, that is kind of my job, right? As a journalist speaking truth to power, it's not only giving information, but also informing on that. But you're talking to, like, it's okay to do that towards a company or the government or, an, or a powerful organization. You don't do that towards your readers. And I think too many journalists do that these days. And I think actually they learn that at university, right? They learn that in these in these journalism courses, which which is why you shouldn't, you know, shouldn't do that. If you just start working, um, and you just, you know, you learn quickly enough what you're doing and, and who you're doing it for. You also learn it's a very thankless job, and that most people won't thank you for it. 
um, which is why I'm very happy every time, you know, I talk about the feedback I receive on the show and I'm very happy when people give me feedback, even when they give me negative feedback. That's not the point. Um, if it's well articulated, right? As a journalist, uh, 95% of all the feedback you get is just people shouting at you that you're an idiot and that they don't like your beard. Or if you don't have a beard, your nose or whatever. Um, right? So that's part of the job. Um, and there's also journalists that don't understand that and they could do hate poetry. Oh, I got all these, 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 you know, Harm, harmful letters all these oh they're people oh they're so mean to me yeah of course they are because you have a platform as a journalist your job is to have a platform and to tell people you're privileged and journalists don't understand that they're very privileged right they, they might not have money or power but they have um people listening to them and if you have that then you have people disagreeing with you and then they'll shout at you Right? That's normal. It's just like politicians getting hate from everybody because, you know, nobody like everybody's a critic. Nobody likes the work they're doing. That's just part of the job. Um and you have to you have to know that. Um yeah. So I never really had a problem with that. Um I never really had a problem. I can I can un, I can stand very negative criticism very well. Um it, you know, I've I've taught myself that over time as well you know you just to to rile me up with words these days is nigh on impossible if i don't want to be like if i really go and i'm like i don't don't care um it's sometimes i get i get you know i do i have very uh inflammatory uh discussions on twitter or something else but that's always when i care about something and it's usually i care about either the person or the topic, right? When I talk about the topic, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm quite um, um, passionate in in discuss, discussing it. It's kind of okay. I get also I get wind up and I get emotional, and I, I think that's that's okay. That just means that you care about something. But if people just go like, "Oh, your article shit," or whatever, your nose is shit, your beard, beard, beard. <laughs> it's like talking German again. Your your beard is shit. Like I don't. That that doesn't like why would that impact me um not after like all these years of doing this um yeah and so one of the reasons um why i mean becoming a freelancer basically led to this podcast i mean i did podcast before um but um i'm much freer in uh what i can what i can talk about i mean i was always free in what i could talk about but like i had to for example when i was doing links outlaws and i was working for heiser i had to have a a specific permission um for that you know to do that um outside of work because uh, publishing companies don't really want you to publish things um when they're not paying you for it and you know doing podcasts kind of the same thing um so when i beca became a freelancer i just became completely free and that's one of the reasons why i started this show i was like i this is i want to do podcasts where i talk about topics that are important to me that I think people should know about, um, and I'm 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 trying to do that, not in a in a preachy and, and condescending way. If I ever do, please call me out on it. Um, I don't I don't appreciate doing that. I don't want to do that, um, and I don't think it's a good thing to do. So you know, uh, send me feedback. You can go to I haven't said that this episode. You can go to Private Citizen of Press, which is the website. There aren't really show notes for this episode, but you, usually I put everything. Uh, links and everything in the show notes. I don't have really links for this because this is all only my 
story of of my life basically there's no really uh, it's it's very subjective anyway it's kind of a special episode but you know you can go there and you can contact me if you have any um maybe maybe i should i should move into 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 the feedback section while i'm while we're talking about this So if you, if you have any feedback, please, um, you can go to Private Citizen or Press. There's a feedback section. There's a contact link. There's a contact link at the top. And there's obviously no feedback in this episode because I'm recording this um, ahead of time. But um, if you have any any comments on this or further questions, you know, I'd, I'd love to, uh, you know, discuss this some more. I hope I've, I've been able to give you a bit of a... Um, a um, uh, an, an overview of um, maybe a little bit of a unique career to get into journalism into journalism but you know lots of people in journalism came to journalism in a similar way right there they they quit university or they, they they went came over from other jobs and those are often i think the best journalists i think the ones that go to j school and have all these certificates they're not necessarily um the best journalists um because at the end of the day, I think it's it's about intentions. Um, it's not so much about... I mean, there's craft that you learn, writing and stuff, but you pick that up along the way. You don't have to do that at university. Um, you do that much better in, in, in doing it and in just writing every day. Um, and the rest is just what you want to do. You don't, you don't get taught this um, at, at university. Um, I mean, what they can teach you at universities, I said this before, it's like how to think critically, right? Basic ideas about statistics and stuff like that, how to do research, yeah. But like at the end of the day, if you want to be a journalist, a good journalist, it's just down to you, like to what you want to do. Um, and there are many people who have the skills and have the certificates and have all of that. They, they're, 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 um, um, you know, they're, they're theoretically, they have all their hallmarks of being a great journalist. They can write all of that. They can do research. Um, they can can think critically if they want to, but they just don't. And so they're not good journalists. Um, I've seen a very good um, depiction of this recently. So I've been watching this show. Um, I've talked about this, I think, in the last episode as well, called Yellowstone. Um, and there's an, is it season two or whatever? I think there's a very good um, depiction of a journalist who, who comes in and there's this character who's a politician. And of course, you know, they all have uh, dirty secrets and whatever, um, you know, trying to keep this farm, uh, this ranch together. Um, and, and this journalist basically comes in uh, with the with the intention of writing a story of destroying the main character of the show, right? destroying his reputation and that she comes in like that and she says like this is my goal and now i'm going to interview you because of this and this is what we're going to do and that is exactly like that woman can write and she can do research and she has, she, she's very good with dealing with politicians and all of the legal stuff and all of that but she's just not acting like a journalist that's just not being a journalist right to 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 deciding okay this is going to be the story and then writing that story is the worst thing you can do it's not like um well it's kind of no it actually it is like being a scientist right and and um that could be your working theory right and like but like you have to then look at things and 
if the story turns out exactly opposite, you have to uh, change the story, right? And so a good journalist doesn't go in and say, well, this is my goal. Um, my goal is not to like destroy this character. The, the real goal would be for a real journalist would be to find out what this character is like and if all the bad stories you've heard about them are true and then you can write a story about that of course yeah but like your goal wouldn't be um i'm going to destroy this guy's career um your goal would be to figure to, to find out as much interesting stuff as you can it's kind of like being a scientist and having a theory and then you do experiments and the experiments actually don't jibe with the theory right a bad scientist will hold on to the theory and try to make the results fit the theory and that is bad science um, that's that's how you fuck it up. Um, the good scientists will change their theory based on the, um, you know, on I would say facts, but like based on the empirical data they find. And with the journalist, it's the same thing. And the, the difference between a, a good journalist and a, and a bad journalist and a good scientist and a bad scientist is not so much actually the actual craft and, and the, the skills they have, um, it's much more in in their mindset and how they set out to do things. I think that's much more important. Um, and that's basically what I learned, right? I went to the H and, and that's what we tried to do there and um, what we tried to do at Heiser. Um, and I always try to do, I, I try to do now, is just, um, you know, think of who the people are I'm doing something for here. It's, it's you, it's the listeners. Um, trying to give them the information that they need. Try to think what information do they need? Like what, in terms of this podcast, right? What topics uh, do you find interesting? I mean, you can tell me. That's why I have the, the, the feedback form and uh, the, the emails. You know, you can email me or whatever. On, you can talk to me on the forum. Um, so if you tell me directly, that's even easier. But otherwise, I'll try to think like, what, what are the things you might find interesting? Um, and then I do research, and, and and often, of course, it starts with an idea. I'm thinking, right, okay, I see these things that way. You know, I look at the Twitter files, and uh, and and you know, I'm like, okay, I saw the FBI did some bad things here, and that's going to be the story. But if I research that, and then I figure out, hey, okay, this journalist or whatever has done like I don't agree with them. I don't think that is the actual story here. I don't think the story is the FBI. The story might be something completely different i i mean i often do that you know with the with the elon musk um, takeover of twitter um everybody else was saying well, a lot of other journalists were saying the stories that M musk is, is an asshole and he's destroying twitter and twitter's going to be dead um and to me that just wasn't the story i mean Elon musk is an asshole um but that's to me that's not the story that was the story 10 years ago and i'm amazed that they didn't do that story 10 years ago the story now is the sh the shit this asshole is you know uncovering by taking the company apart that's the actual story um right so you can't you you, you have to be flexible um and and journalism, journalism is much much of it is about being flexible i mean it's the one of the great um, reasons why this is such a good job is because there's always something new every day is something new you have to be in constant flux and um, I, I I love my wife very much for that Yeah, she reminds me of this and she's often like you can't be set in your ways you know you can't become an old man you're a journalist things are changing you have to change with the things also one of the reasons why she was like she was actually the driving factor I was thinking about quitting at Heiser for a very long time and she was like you have to do this um, you're not happy. I can see you're not happy. I'm like, I can fix this. I can do this. And I can, I can change jobs inside the company. You can do this. She's like, no, 
it's not going to change. You need to quit. <laughs> and she was right. Um, yeah, so you need to challenge yourself, change things. And that's what I do as a freelancer as well. That's why I try new things, um, see what sticks. Um, because I think that's, you know, you have to you have to stay agile. That's the only way um, to stay critical and to stay um, open to new ideas and, and, and uh, to your readership changing, right? Your, your, your audience changing, um, your audience, I said, you're trying to, 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 to give them the information that they find interesting that might change, you know, that they change, the people change, they new people, old people, younger people, they have different ideas. Um, so you have to keep your eye and ears, uh, open to what they want. Um, yeah. And I'm trying to do that. Um, and I hope um, I hope it's working. I don't know. I hope you got something out of this episode. I hope this wasn't just me navel gazing for like uh, an hour. Um, I hope you got some uh, some interesting stuff, maybe some interesting background. You learned something. If you have further questions, please let me know. Um, go to the show notes, Private Citizen Press, and uh, and 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 ask me about it. And I'll, I'll I'll give my best to answer because you know being transparent and being, um, you know, open as open as you can with your readers is also uh, very important when you're a journalist. I've mentioned before that I do this show um, because people want me to do the show. So, and I can tell you who because there's some people supporting me on uh, Patreon. Uh, all those uh, details are also uh, on Private Citizen Press if you're interested. Um, yeah, so there's a handful of people that that get this show on the road every every single episode, and this very episode is brought to you by my showrunner Sir Galteran. Also by my executive producers, Butterbeans, Jaroslav Lichtblau, Rizal, Sandman, and Sandman616. Um, supervising producers, uh, 1i11g, Avis, Bennett, Piata, Dave, IKN, Jackie Plage, Jonathan, M. Hetai, Crunkle, Michael Malone Jensen, and Robert Forster. Producers Andrew, Andrew Davidson, Astral C, Cam, Captain Naked, David Potter, Dirk Didi, Fadi Mansour, Florian Pigosh, Joe Poser, Michael Small, Mika, Mr. Amish, and RJ Tracy. And associate producers Barry Williams, D, Jonathan Johan Sonnen, Kaisias, Ricky M, Steve Hose, and Vlad. Thanks to all of you. And also thanks to Bytemark at bytemark.co.uk, who uh, is providing the uh, or are providing um is a uk cloud hosting company the servers uh, for the audio files and the bandwidth um to uh for you to download the audio files and i'm very thankful to bindmark for that and uh yeah with that that's that's it that's the uh the three-year special episode i hope you you liked it i'm i'm very happy that this podcast has survived for three years and 143 episodes i do not plan on uh, stopping it anytime soon uh, certainly not as long as people are supporting me and, and giving me money to uh, make it happen and helping me uh, pay my bills a little bit so um that's uh it's very cool it's a it's a very fun job um, i like being a journalist very much um, i like working for you specifically um, I don't want to work for any other, any other people. I don't want to work for a boss anymore. And I, I like working for um, 
you know the public um and and uh, being beholden to to the public instead of like uh, some guy at a company um i think that's that's my future um i'm i'm very happy my since i've i've started doing this kind of thing my health has uh, has improved unmeasurably i have so much less stress and i'm very happy uh, in life I, i live a very happy life i mean i'm very privileged um and i appreciate what you're doing uh, for me and i appreciate you've been you know some of you've been listening to the show for you know all of these three years and i'm through through very bad times <laughs> and um, i'm i'm very thankful for that okay um the uh, theme song for the show is called acoustic roots i have to mention that by raul kabzali and i'm gonna play you out by a nice little ditty uh, i found on epidemic sound um called surfs all right by uh, a band called in bold i really like that song i thought it's kind of fitting for uh, for an anniversary episode yeah so i'll see you next week um starting into the uh, fourth year uh, of the podcast here so um let's let's hope it'll be another great year um I've, I'm, i'm very happy with this show i'm very happy with the people listening with the support um the listenership is steadily increasing it's not making no it's not exploding uh, i'm not becoming a star here but you know i have the The, the feeling that people really like what I'm doing so um, that's that's all I need that's all I need to be happy so um, I'll, I'll see you again next week uh, for another episode and uh, thanks for being with me for the last three years I appreciate it very much <laughs>